0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Uh, this week was uh, an incredible week for, for many, many reasons. We spent the week in Rose Hill, North Carolina at a place called the Charity Rebuild Center. Uh, while we are there, I got to spend some time with Tammy, who uh, is, is a lady uh, along with her husband, Rich. They run the mission and she was telling me all about uh, the things they do. Uh, I mean, they have the capability of feeding 50,000 people at a time in, a, in an emergency. I mean, they, they have, uh, a, they purchased an old elementary school, they renovated it so that they, uh, anytime there is an emergency, they become ground zero, they become the base camp for uh, emergency responders. They come to them to be fed, to be housed, uh, and they work out of that, that facility And what happened was uh, Hurricane Florence hit in 2018. And she was kind of telling us what happened there. They are located about 45 minutes to an hour from the east coast of North Carolina. She said they got 15 inches of rain just like that. Uh, And she said the rain was just pouring and pouring, and it was pounding them from the east. And the problem was uh, inland, uh, the places that the cities that were being pounded by the same water were having to open their dams so that they didn't become flooded. So as they opened their dams, all of their water began to flow towards Rose Hill, North Carolina in this area. So they have the rain coming from the east. They have all of the waters from the cities inland, North Carolina coming from the west. And that all came and it just sat on top of them uh, for a couple weeks, I believe. Um, if you can imagine basically from here to somewhere around Grove City, just being completely covered in water, uh, no dry land between here and Grove City. Uh, it, it was one exit up from where we were, and we were, again, uh, 45 minutes from the coast. One exit up from there to the coast was completely inundated in water. At one point, she said, there was a place where the water was 51 feet above flood stage. Uh, if you can imagine that, she said, she if she didn't le- live it, she wouldn't believe it. So they, they now mobilize themselves for for those cases where there is just total devastation. And what's happened since 2018, when thousands of homes were destroyed, is this one location that we worked out of has served thousands of mills. They've housed probably thousands of people, and they've rebuilt hundreds of homes, Uh, some of them from the ground up, some of them they've renovated. But all of this has happened, and as Tammy is telling me this, at one point I just looked at her and I said, I kind of looked at the school, and I said, how did you get... Here. Like, like you, you don't start by feeding thousands, and you, you don't start with a budget to build houses. How did you get right, right to where you are? And she said for her, it began about 25 years ago uh, when a parable that Jesus told began to weigh on her heart. And in, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a parable uh, about the talents, where a master gives uh, five talents to one man, two to another, and one to another. Uh, and he, he goes away for a while, and he comes back to see how they invested their talents. And um, if you read the story, um, it's not really about how much they had. It's about what they did with what they had. Uh, so what we find in the story is the first two people, they put their money to work, and they, when the master comes back, they've doubled their money. And when we get to the third person who was given one talent, uh, the Bible says that they buried the money so that when the master came back they could just give them back what they had been given and what we find in the story is is the master is pretty upset with that he's pretty angry with the person who didn't put to work what he had been given and Tammy said that in her life as she's studying this talent she recognized that she was that third person you know she 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 gave to to the church but that that's kind of the extent of her life she didn't give her uh, time or energy she she just there was no sacrifice. She said she lived a, a safe faith. Uh, in fact, her faith didn't require a lot of faith. And if if God said to her, what have you gained for the kingdom of God? She said, I, I wouldn't have had a good answer. So she's wrestling with this parable. And it was 1999 when Hurricane Floyd hit, and, and she was just in the workplace, but She finally said, God, I'm just gonna surrender and I'm gonna say yes to whatever you say to do. So the hurricane hits, she can't feed people yet, she can't house people yet, but what she can do is begin going to the houses that are destroyed and just sifting through the wreckage with those who have been affected. That's all that she has the power to do, so that's what she does. She says, for her, that was a monumental moment because that was her first yes. And when she began to say yes to God, he began to open the next door and the next door. So, so God doesn't always show you what's 10 miles down the road. He just gives you that very next step. And she said, for her, she just began saying yes to each step that God would give her until ult- ultimately she now, Uh, runs this facility that is impacting thousands, if not millions of lives. And I was just thinking how in each of our lives, there's going to be that first yes. You know, when when God calls you to do something, whether it's share your faith or just talk about Jesus to someone, uh, at some point in time, we have to give that first yes For God to do something through our life. And if we look back at that parable, what we find uh, is to the two men who doubled what they were given, Jesus gave a powerful response. And I want to look at it in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. It says, his master replied to those two servants, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, which can also be uh, translated faithful with small things. And I will put you in charge of many or enlarge things, come and share in your master's happiness. Now, my favorite part of this parable uh, is when the Bible talks about a talent, uh, because uh, a talent, if it's a talent of gold, one talent is two hundred pounds of gold. So, to the first guy, the master gives him ten talent or five talents, the equivalent of a thousand pounds of gold, and then he says to him afterward. You were faithful with the small things. Uh, A single ounce of gold today is valued at over $1,700. So to bring it to today is the modern day equivalent of him saying, you were faithful with $27,664,000. You were faithful with those small things. So now I can put you in charge of great things. Do you you see in the Bible the things that that we view as mountains are like molehills to God? And when God gives you a vision for something, God gives you provision for it as well. When God places something in your heart that looks like Oh, how will I ever get to that place? What he's looking for from you is simply a yes to the moment, to be faithful to what he has placed in front of you in that moment, to take that first step of faith. And what happens is we get caught up looking at the horizon, at the impossibilities in the long term, rather than just saying yes to God in the near term and in today. But what God is looking for from you is the same thing from the parable, to do what you can where you are with what you have. It's not about how much you have. It's about doing what you can with what you have for the kingdom of God. Now, as we were working this this week, we didn't realize beforehand that they've just gotten to the point where most of the hurricane work has been completed. It's taken close to four years, but they've just kind of wrapped that up. So actually what we did this week uh, mostly wasn't in connection with a hurricane. It was just in connection with the needs that they have. And, and in, in truth, that may have been the best thing that could have happened for us. Because we've come back, and, and instead of saying, That was a lot of fun, I wish we could translate it to Pennsylvania, instead we come back and we're saying, we, we pretty easily on our end just changed a lot of lives, and we have every need that we just fulfilled, we have it in our own backyard. Everything that we just did, we have it here. And it's like it took a mission trip to North Carolina to see the need that we have in Pennsylvania. Um, for me, this, this has really been a week to reflect. And, and last week, we had a message. We called it Revisiting the Vision. And we looked at the vision for 2022 that we're positioned with a purpose. But this week has been a week where I could revisit the vision for the church from day one. Um, when we began the church... Um, We wanted the church to be a place where it felt like family, where it was never an obligation to attend, we wanted the church to be a place where people were excited to come, more importantly, where people are excited about Jesus, and from day one, we wanted to be a church that was focused outward, that was an outreach-oriented church, so this week has been just an opportunity to step back and saying, have we gotten away from the vision at all, and we had already kind of gotten some things rolling for, for more outreaches that, that we can provide, uh, but this, this week was really just a, a fire that was lit under us, and You're you're gonna see more of that, it's it's already happening, uh, but we're planning right now quarterly outreaches that are gonna be very similar to to what we've been doing, and we'll talk more about that um, at another time. But what we came away with is just the reality that the need is so prevalent. I mean, so prevalent, and, and Dan kind of said it, it would take us two or three hours to change their lives forever. I mean two two or three hours out of our day that, that wasn't really hard work, and their lives are changed forever. The need is prevalent. Now Jesus said it this way. He said, The harvest is plentiful. I want to talk about that. He actually said this on two occasions, and we're going to look at those two occasions. First in Matthew chapter nine, beginning in verse thirty five says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, if you're taking notes, just write down that word crowds. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed. Another word there is they were exhausted and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So as I'm reading this passage and Jesus gets to this moment where he he says, you can see that the harvest is there. It's the workers that are needed. And if we look at this passage, there are kind of three categories that he gives uh, for the harvest because first it says he went to all their synagogues and he was teaching them the gospel, teaching them the good news of the kingdom of God. So the first, uh, first section of the harvest would be simply those who have not heard the gospel message. It's simply sharing your faith. And, and this week, we, we, uh, one evening we went to a restaurant and uh, you know, there was a, uh, our, our waitress Her name was Marty, and and at the end of the night, we we called her over to the table, and and I asked her her name, and I simply said, is there anything you need prayer for? That's simple of a question. She could have said no and walked away and we're not hurt, but instead, she started to break down in tears over a simple question, and she begins to tell us about a, a terrible relationship that her daughter is in, and she's been begging her to come home and please pray for her daughter, and she's pregnant, a simple question, and that night, we, or we prayed for and we went home, and we asked the question that night, why is it so easy on a mission trip to be more bold with your faith in situations like that, to speak to someone you've never spoken to and just say, hey, can we pray with you over everything or over anything, and then if we go to a restaurant here, it doesn't cross our mind. And we kind of came away with two answers. And, and the first one, uh, it's a tough pill to swallow, but it's, it's pride. The, the, the first reason that, that we're not more bold with our faith is our own pride. You know, when we go on a mission trip and we know in our mind, I'll never see this person again in my life. So if they don't receive the gospel, it's okay, I'll never see them again. But if we're in the workplace or if we're at El Toro, because they know my face there at El Toro pretty well. <laughs> and we share the gospel and they reject it, I know I have to see them again. So there's that, that point of pride that says, what if they say, no, I don't wanna deal with the rejection. The Bible's not very big on pride, uh, if you didn't know. But the second reason, and Dan came up with, with, with this one, is uh, what are your intentions? So when you go on a mission trip, your intention on the mission trip is to share the gospel, to serve people and share the gospel. So everywhere you go, you've got that in your mind. This is why I'm here, is to share the gospel. You go to a restaurant and you're thinking, is there a way that here I can share the gospel? But then we come back home and we go out of mission trip mode and we go into work mode and and taking care of the kids mode and and mow the grass again mode. And we go into all these different modes and that intentional sharing of the gospel of this this is what I'm here for was left back in North Carolina or it was left a long time ago. Uh, We're no longer intentional about sharing the gospel when in truth, that's what we're here for. The Bible says we are ambassadors as though he were making his appeal through us. You have a call to be missionaries in Pennsylvania. Did you know that? You are a missionary sent from the kingdom of God to mission uh, to to Pennsylvania. And we've got to get away from from that place of pride that holds us back and get back to being intentional where sharing the uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not something we do when there's a convenient opportunity just thrown in our face. But no, that's our reason for being here is the sharing of the gospel. The second crowd that we see here uh, in this story is the Bible says that that Jesus uh, went about healing every disease and sickness. So uh, the second place that we can reap a harvest is in praying for the sick. You know, the the very first house that we went to um, where we built the wheelchair ramp we actually built the ramp for a one-year-old boy It was a one-year-old boy who had uh, epilepsy and some other conditions, uh, cerebral palsy. and she, the, the mother told us that uh, in the weeks leading us to, up to us coming, the, the boy would have 25 to 30 seizures a day, um, and, and they couldn't even take him outside because they had no ramp. And, and what we did in that moment was twofold. First of all, we prayed for his healing. Now. Um, I can't give you a reason that sometimes Jesus heals and sometimes he doesn't other than this is not our home We'll have our complete healing in the kingdom of God But I do know the Bible tells us to pray for those who are sick and to to seek the kingdom of God coming here to pray for healing So we're going to pray for healing If it occurs praise God if it doesn't occur We don't just drop everything and, and leave and say too bad because what you can do is you can continue to minister to them so we're going to pray for his healing and if it doesn't happen in that moment what can we do to serve him in this time you know we we can still build a ramp and continue believing God for his healing but there's more that we can do in the meantime and I think we we can get into that that place as a body of Christ where maybe we have the boldness to pray for someone who's sick, but if, if, if we don't hear anything right away, we just leave it. And we just, we just drop it and leave it. And I, and I think there are times that we can serve in those moments. And finally, what we find here is it says that Jesus looked on the crowds and he saw that they were exhausted and they were helpless. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. And especially there where he says the crowds were helpless. You know, the Bible talks about in James chapter 1, it says that religion that God finds pure and faultless is to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Now, uh, in, in the times of, uh, of scripture, an orphan and a widow would be the most helpless people that you could find with no one to take care of them those who are helpless, that can't help themselves. Jesus said, that is the harvest. And in this room, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, you are the worker. You are the one that he has sent to those who can't help themselves. And for just a moment, I want to look at John chapter 4, which is the other instance where Jesus talks about the harvest. In John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, a woman that he's not even supposed to be talking to by their culture. And he he talks to her, and uh, finally he says, you know, uh, you've had five husbands, and the person you're living with now is not even one of the five. It's another. And the woman replies in John chapter 4, verse 29, says, Come and see. She goes back to her town and says, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town, made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Now, what I love about this passage is in the book of Matthew. I think it was Matthew that we just uh, read a moment ago. Yeah, Matthew chapter 9. When he's talking about the harvest, I told you to write down the word crowds. Because Jesus is looking at the crowd and he says, there's your harvest. But here in John chapter 4, he ministers to a single woman, to one person, and he says to his disciples, open your eyes and look at the harvest. You might be set before a crowd and that might be the harvest. If you're a teacher, you have a classroom of children that, that, that you can sow into. But all of us have a single person And some of us, God is just saying, open your eyes and see the harvest that I have placed right in front of you and place them in your life. The harvest is not necessarily a multitude of people. The harvest can be a single person. In this passage, it was a single, unsuspecting, undeserving person that Jesus took the time to touch. And he says to his disciples, you do the same thing open your eyes and see the harvest that's before you. Uh, On the last day that we were there, so Friday, uh, Teresa told the story. Um, She was uh, in one of the rooms and there were a couple of teenagers that were playing chess. Two boys, around 14 years old. Mike, if you could come up. Uh, Two teenagers were playing chess. Uh, Two teenage boys and there was a, a couple of girls who were watching them play chess uh, and one of them looks at the one boy and she says, You're losing. <laughs> and he says, H- How do you figure? And she says, Because he has more pieces than you do. And he says, y- You don't understand the game of chess. He said, In chess, it's not about how many pieces you have, it's about what pieces you have and where they're positioned. And I thought, you know, that that is such a powerful statement. Because when you walk out these doors, you're outnumbered. I don't care what the statistics say about Christianity in this nation. If you're actually following Jesus, you're outnumbered when you walk out the door. But can I tell you something? It's not about the numbers. It's about what pieces have been positioned where. And we serve a God of purpose who has taken the pieces that He wants and He has positioned them in Venango County and said, you might be outnumbered. You might be outnumbered, but I have you positioned where I want you. Church, you have been positioned with a purpose. And we have to walk With that reality and that intentional focus that says, uh, there was a prayer, The, the guy would pray every morning, he would say, God, you woke us up this morning, you gave us breath, so obviously there's a reason. We should wake up with that mindset, okay, I woke up again, so there's a reason, and when I go about today, I am looking for the reason that God woke me up. I know it's to share his gospel. I know it's to tell people about Jesus. And I'm going to look for those opportunities because we have been positioned for that reason. Can you stand with me? And I do want to finish that story because it's kind of funny. Um, The guy says to the girl, um, he says it's not about the number of pieces. It's about what pieces and where they've been positioned. And then he says, now watch this. I'm going to mate this guy. And, and then he says, "Oh boy, that didn't sound good. <laughs> Can you close your eyes with me? Uh, Lord, I pray this morning that no matter how we walked into this place that we would walk out as missionaries, missionaries to our workplace, some of us to our families, missionaries to our friends, missionaries. Pennsylvania, God. And I pray that we would be intentional every step of the way. I pray, God, that as this week goes on, that you would highlight opportunities, Lord, to share your gospel, to share your love, to share your grace and forgiveness. pray that we would just recognize our calling, God, that we have been called by your grace and that we would step into that calling, that we would give you a yes, God, and that for some of us it might be our first yes, but that we would say yes to you, recognizing that you've gone before us. We we'll pray all this in Jesus' name. your eyes open this week, church. Your spiritual eyes open. Jesus said in John chapter 4, open your eyes. He didn't say, I'm going to put a harvest there now. He said, the harvest is already, it's right before you. Just open your eyes. And my prayer this week for, for you and for me uh, as well is that we see the harvest before us. We um, have small group Wednesday, 7 p.m., movie Friday at 7 p.m., harvest outside those doors right when you walk out. That was a pretty good transition, wasn't it? All right, have a good week, church. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.